1: From movie set to multiplex, it's the business of film with James Cameron Wilson.
0: Have you ever heard of the 39
1: steps? No, what's that, a pub? Yeah. Gentlemen, you can't
0: fight in here, this is the war room. These count you
1: 11. I'm shocked, shocked to find that gambling is going on in here. You're winning, sir. Oh, thank you very much.
0: Oh, we begin the new year with... Uh, lines from one of my favourite films, if not my favourite film, Casablanca. I am Simon Rose and talking to me now about the business of film, I hope, is James Cameron Wilson. As we I am here, Simon. I am year. here. We begin a new year. Now, the last year, I mean, so many times we started with you being terribly depressed because things were going badly until an occasional blockbuster came out and enlivened one week only. How is 2023 starting?
1: Well, of course, we've skipped a weekend because of the Christmas break. Mm. Um, and that maybe we shouldn't really talk about it because we saw another drop, a substantial drop of 42.5% after the wonderful leap of 185.3% thanks to a new film directed by James Cameron called mm. Avatar, The Way of Water. But we're going to be talking about last weekend, which... Um, is really quite surprising. I kept on rereading the statistics um, just to make sure that they were right, because it's quite extraordinary. So having had a drop over the Christmas period, because, of Mm. course, Christmas was, uh, Christmas Eve was on Saturday, Christmas Day was on Sunday, so the weekend, people were busy, really, with Christmas. Mm. So it's hardly surprising there was such a major drop. The following weekend, however, once everybody had finished with Tide, there was a jump of 185.3%, which matches exactly the jump the weekend before Christmas, which is astonishing, Simon. It's very impressive. Avatar The Way of Water, unsurprisingly, is still at number one, up 54% over the previous weekend after a 56% drop. And it made, in its third weekend, 7.6 million quid for a total of 47.7 million quid. It's now in the top 60 highest-grossing films of all time. And as you know, the top-grossing film of last year was Top Gun Maverick. Mm -hmm. And it's tracking just behind Top Gun for the same number of days. So it's doing very well indeed, Despite and we have
0: being rather longer.
1: Uh, in spite of being considerably longer, <laughs> yes, 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 yeah, yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. Didn't
0: I, I? got the feeling from you, you you felt it felt even longer than it was. Uh,
1: well, indeed, and I know so many people who have seen it, and they all say the same thing: it would have been great if it was two hours. Mm.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah, and it's just the same as Avatar except for the water people and a an very odd cameo from Kate Winslet where you can't tell it's Kate Winslet who almost died preparing for her role as one of the reef people, mm. uh, a Na'vi. Uh, very strange. But obviously people still remember Avatar even though it was 13 years ago and are flooding back to see a, uh, bluster, a blockbuster on the big screen in 3D. Mm. Anyway, we have a new film at number two Ooh, whoopee. called I Want to Dance with Somebody. Now, I would like to talk to you about the biopic and the importance of the character actor. Just the very presence, I think, of a good actor in a sinking ship provides it with some buoyancy, some credible ballast There has been a slew of musical biopics of late, with the last year being no exception, what with Elvis, and now I Want to Dance with Somebody, the third theatrical feature dedicated to the life of Whitney Houston, described on the poster as being the untold story of an icon. Well, Whitney Houston is certainly an icon, I don't deny that, but her story has been told many times before, notably in Nick Broomfield's Whitney. Can I Be Me and Kevin McDonald's Whitney, both exceptionally good documentaries. And then there are all the books written about the singer, not least her Mm -hmm. mother, Sissy's 2013 tome, Remembering Whitney, the two stage shows and the TV movie Whitney directed by Angela Bassett. I could go on. So this is hardly the untold story. So here we have the untold story, or should we say yet another version that we've never seen before. So back to the character actor. I haven't forgotten. For me, Elvis was an overlong, wildly entertaining traipse through the life of Mr. Presley, somewhat undone by the presence of the very likable Tom Hanks in a fat suit, posing as the extremely sinister Colonel Tom Parker. Mm. You just can't plonk Tom Hanks in a movie and expect the audience to forget that it's Tom Hanks doing character. All is well known now um, that Tom Parker took Elvis to the cleaners, and so it was with Whitney Houston, whose father gaily gave away credit cards to his staff so that they could spend what they liked at the expense of the man's daughter. Where there's a success story, there's a leech, and usually a leech not very far from home. What makes I Want to Dance with Somebody superior to Baz Luhrmann's Elvis is that it doesn't exhaust you with cinematic pyrotechnics and that there's a very good supporting turn from Stanley Tucci as Clive Davis, witness confidant, father figure, and record producer. I think it's one of the best things that Stanley Tucci has done. An actor more often associated with wildly camp, flamp, flamboyant turns. In fact, I might go so far as to say it's his best best performance since his starring role in Big Night, which he Ooh, co-directed. I love that film. Yes. Which, of course, he co-directed from his own script. And as with Elvis, the actor playing the title role here is equally astonishing. Her name is Naomi Aki, and she is virtually an unknown, and she hails from Walthamstow in East London. Wow. The director is Casey Lemons, who previously chronicled the life of another American icon, Harriet Tubman, and also cast a London-born actress in the title role, Cynthia Erivo a happenstance that deserves, I think, a radio show of all of all its own by these great American icons from Daniel Day-Lewis playing Lincoln. Um, I think such black British actors as David Oyelowo and Daniel Kaluuya, who played the American icons Martin Luther King and Black Panther Fred Hampton. Mm. Be that as it may, Naomi Aki is sensational. And relays the spirit of Whitney Houston to such a degree that one forgets she is actually Naomi Aki. And there are many scenes that really resonate, that ultimately lift this out of the conventional straits that threaten to engulf it. Early on, we see Whitney's mother, Sissy, played by Tamara Tooney, chastise her daughter during a rehearsal for failing to find the story and the melody in the song they are rehearsing. And it brings home just what a perfectionist, perfectionist Whitney's mother was, who was a Grammy-winning singer in her own right. And of course, Dionne Warwick was a cousin as well. And there's a lovely moment where Whitney turns down the script of the bodyguard until she finds out that Kevin Costner is playing the title role. Mm. And of course, there are the songs, the music, which Naomi Aki lip-syncs to superbly. And in spite of the film's 146 minutes and the familiarity of the untold story, Aki, Tucci and the music make it all worthwhile.
0: Mm. OK, thanks. Thank you.
1: Right. And um, that made okay. £3.4 million in its opening weekend.
0: Well, actually, unlike you, I Very know nothing about Whitney Houston. So to me, it might be an untold story.
1: Well, see some of the stage shows or the TV movie or read the books. I mean, shes I mean, it's an extraordinary story. And there's no point in me retelling it because it's all there in the film.
0: Well, I might actually go and see it then.
1: Okay. Yeah. So I mean, she's that terrific. Was,
0: that was um, number two in the charts. And maybe well, we should just pause pause then, James, and then I'd have to worry about where we're going to take a break. Um, you've been doing a lot of talking. Um, let us just briefly give you a breather.
1: Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio.
0: This is Simon Rose and you've joined us for The Business of Film, where James Cameron Wilson is taking us down the chart. We've only got to number two, but that's I Want to Dance with Somebody, which clearly you think is fairly decent. Particularly if, like me, you know very little about Whitney Houston. Um, So, James, that's number two. What's number three? I
1: would say it is very conventional. In the making of it, I don't think Casey Lemons is the best director on the planet, Mm. but I just enjoyed it because of the music and because of those two central performances were so good. I enjoyed the film at number three less. Oh, can ah, I just interrupt you something? You were talking
0: about um, uh, Tom Hanks. I just remembered before about the fact you couldn't believe him in Elvis, and of course there's a remake of a wonderful Scandinavian film that I adore. I say Scandinavian, I can't remember. I think it was Swedish, but I'm altogether sure. Called A Man Named Over. Um, called otto is now, now well it wasn't original oh, oh yes yeah. oh yes you're uh, called right a man named right. otto but knowing the character and what a sort of curmudgeon he was to begin with in the in the film i sort of slightly wonder whether we can accept tom hanks even doing that
1: we will see it opens well, it's this out weekend. very soon isn't
0: it yes, yes yeah I'd yeah very see. very intrigued are you going are you seeing it
1: oh absolutely it yeah, was yeah. a film
0: i love that's the trouble if you Like foreign language movies, it's very rare that the English language remake is better, in my opinion. I'm trying to think, you can probably think of some examples, but tell me next week. Okay, that's a a little homework, um, task for when you actually review a movie. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yes, no, but you have the sort of homework you
1: enjoy. Okay, sorry, uh, I interrupted. Let's
0: get back to number three.
1: Uh, Yes, uh, at number three, we've got Matilda the Musical, which was at number two, which jumped 80 percent last weekend. I'm Bar afraid Matilda. to say, Bar, Bar Matilda. Matilda yes. yes, it made two million pounds last weekend. It's now got a total of twenty-one point five million quid. At number four, Black Panther: Wakanda Forever jumped by a hundred and seventeen percent for a total of thirty-three point four million pounds. Strange World jumped ninety-five percent, which I think had a bad rap really it's now got a total of a mere 3.2 million pounds considering this is disney's big new animated film that's not good news and according to variety this week the studio is expecting to lose between 100 million and 147 million wow. um, on strange world but i think an older audience will get more out of it than younger children and so it's it's worth seeing at number six who would a film starring Vicky Creeps called Corsage as she's playing the Empress Elizabeth of Austria in Marie Kreutzer's costume drama, which turns out to be one of House's highest grossing films ever, which is quite extraordinary. At number seven, we've got another new film, The Amazing Maurice, which is up 329%. These figures are just absurd. This is the child-friendly computer-generated cartoon based on the 2001 book The Amazing Maurice and His Educated Rodents by Terry Pratchett with Maurice voiced by Hugh Laurie. Mm. At number eight, The Menu jumps up 253% for a total (laughs) of 3.65 million. Violent Night is the only film in the top ten to actually drop over the weekend. 59%. 59%. But as it's about Santa Claus and as it's very violent, you can't take the children and Christmas is over. So that's mm, fairly mm-hmm. understandable. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Uh, It's got a total now of 3.7 million after five weeks at the box office. And at number 10, up 875%. <laughs> <laughs> These are silly, silly figures. Lyle, Lyle Crocodile with a total now of 12.7 million. Um, After 12 Weeks, which, of course, is the film about a singing crocodile. But I think the film that everybody seems to be talking about, which you were surprised wasn't in the top 10, the reason being that Netflix do not reveal their box office takings, uh, obviously it's now been on Netflix, and I don't think there's anybody I know who has not seen Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery. But... So, yeah, so we think that probably would have
0: been number one before Avatar actually came along.
1: It's the widest theatrical release of any Netflix film ever. Mm. But it didn't come to Gloucestershire, which is where I hang out. Um, Anyway... um, I think
0: you're too intellectual and highbrow there for such
1: entertainment. (laughs) God's (laughs) world. Well... For those who haven't seen it, it, I'll talk a bit about it. Um, To be honest, I never really have been a fan of whodunners, and I'm afraid I was not a fan of Kenneth Branagh's Agatha Christie adaptations, Murder on the Orient Express and Death on the Nile. The genre is just so contrived that it just feels like an empty exercise for me. But then Ryan Johnson gave us Knives Out, which I've seen three times, which put wit and humour centre stage along with some ingenious plotting, Deservedly, it won critical acclaim and was a huge commercial success for Lionsgate, prompting prompting Netflix to fork out $469 million for the rights to two sequels, tempting Daniel Craig back to reprise his role as the deep-fried detective Benoit Blanc for a reported $100 million not surprisingly, an all-time record sum for an actor. Obviously, that put considerable pressure on Ryan Johnson, who previously directed the billion-grossing Star Wars The Last Jedi, and an unseemly amount of expectation. As I say, virtually everybody I know has already seen it, and I have tried extremely hard not to read any reviews or to talk to any of my friends until I've actually seen it myself, or indeed talked to you about it. I well, will it was say very that, good.
0: I didn't tell you anything. I think
1: no, you didn't. Um, and I went to a dinner party uh, on New Year's Eve, and everybody oh. there had seen it. Oh, and gosh. I stood up, made <laughs> a toast, and said, "I know you've all seen Glass Onion. Please do a f- favor and don't open your mouths once." And they were very good, <laughs> most good. of them. I will say that Ryan Johnson is a very clever man. He has brought the Who Done It bang up to date, making fun of the pandemic, political correctness vaccines, the rising cost of energy bills, and even Amazon's Alexa, which Kate Hudson's dipsy fashion designer, mistaking mistakes a lamp for the virtual assistant. Yes, that was very funny. Uh, and in that vein, Glass Onion is enorm- enormous fun and preposterous. Johnson, with apparent creative control, in spite of his own $100 million payday, has squeezed in exotic locations, some epic production design, and starry cameos for our delectation. Daniel Craig must have felt right at home. Let me give you an example. There's a wonderful scene where Benoit Blanc has retired to his bath in a state of dejection. His little grey cells deprived of a decent case to crack. In fact, the detective's very first words in the film are, "What just happened. I'm so confused. This, of course, immediately goes against the grain of our opinion of the greatest brain in puzzle solving. Blanc is in his bath, smoking a cigar, of course, and with an iPod and a laptop perched on a wooden support. He is play- playing a computer game that is totally beyond him. And as his avatar, blank Man, crashes out of the game, he received a Skype call from four very famous friends. One is the late Angela Lansbury, famous for playing the other great problem solver, Jessica Fletcher. Um, Well, one of the most famous problem solvers in modern crime fiction. And another is the late Stephen Sondheim. Himself a great gamester whose love of mysteries and puzzles is legendary. Sometimes even wrote the screenplay for the Who Done It, The Last of Sheila. Sheila, yes, which
0: apparently is a massive inspiration for this. I can i have never seen know. it. Yeah.
1: Oh, it's wonderful.
0: It's... Is it? Oh, okay. James
1: Fox, James Mason, and no, James I,
0: Coburn. I, I, I do not know it. But, Which um, yes, it's about Andrew inviting Perkins. people. It's about inviting a group of people to work out who's actually committed a crime. Oh, oh I can't wait to see it again.
1: OK. Uh, anyway, Glass Onion. I can't is find a it subject. anywhere. Otherwise, I'd have already, already watched it. So I'm oh, very curious. Okay. Right. Interesting. I mean, there are lots of in-jokes. Um, yeah. And Glass Onion is a riddle wrapped in a mystery inside an enigma and above all it showcases ryan johnson's love of the game and of game playing hmm. blanc tells angela landsby that he needs danger the hunt the challenge i don't need puzzles or games and the last thing i need is a vacation which of course is just what he gets when he joins kate hudson dave bautista jessica henwick Catherine hahn leslie odom jr and others on a Greek island for a murder mystery weekend, in which the murder victim turns out to be the invitee and billionaire Miles Bronn, played by Edward Norton, who lives in a luxurious lair worthy of a James Bond villain and whose home would delight a man like Stephen Sondheim. It is the glass onion and is deservedly the star attraction in the film, complete with works of art by the likes of Liechtenstein, Rothko, Matisse, and the real. Mona Lisa (laughs) with its own comic security system. As in Knives Out, not a line of dialogue or camera angle is wasted or superfluous as the outrageous cogs and gears of the plot mesh into place. But largely, the film is all about surprise, so I will try and give away as little as possible. I will mention, however, that there is a narrative device relating to the hot sauce, Renning Hot. Do you remember that? Yes. Okay, which is a nod to the actor Jeremy Renner and his stint on the YouTube series Hot Ones, in which celebrities test their resilience to spicier and spicier chicken wings, with Renner, Jeremy Renner, apparently coming out on top, hence the in-joke about the hot sauce, which becomes a narrative mm-hmm. device However, now, the actor. Now, of course,
0: he's critically, critically ill in hospital.
1: Well, yeah. Most, yeah, uh, far from hot earlier this week when he was run over by a snowplow, mm. leading to major blood loss. However, apparently, he is now in critical but stable condition. Uh, but he's still in intensive care and is on a long road to recovery, according to sources. He is, of course, uh, best known for playing Hawkeye in the Marvel films. And starring the, the Hurt Locker. So I loved and really enjoyed this. I enjoyed the game playing. I loved The Invitation, which is just so ingenious. I think the last fifth of the film just goes so over the top and it's completely pointless. And I think that's such such a shame. And whereas Anna de Armas and Christopher Plummer were so engaging and sympathetic in the first film, I'd could not feel the same way about these characters, or indeed Edward Norton. And I felt it was such a shame that it was just showing off at the end, because I think up until then, it was such a blast and so ingenious and well, just so I, I, enjoyable. Yeah, um,
0: I agree, though. I think Daniel Craig was rather more irritating in this one. The character was just not, I don't know, I wasn't rooting for him in quite the same way I was before. But yes, there was almost nobody... to to root for but it was still extremely enjoyable if we had not seen the first one we'd have been raving even more i suspect
1: yes i, I as i said expectation was so high yeah, for this film yeah.
0: it was almost a mistake for me watching knives out just before i saw glass onion
1: oh yeah i, I did watch it a week beforehand and i love knives out it is such a beautifully constructed conceit Yes, and gla- But Glass Onion is great fun, and there are so many in-jokes. And I think I saw it with a couple of friends who aren't very pop-cultural, and I think they missed a lot.
0: I'm sure we'll see more. Well, it's a Netflix film, and it's already vanished from cinemas, I think, because it's now on Netflix. I'm not sure if if you can see it in cinema, but you can see it on Netflix, so anybody can now catch up with it. James, thank you very much indeed. That's it for the first edition of The Business of Film for 2023, but James will be back with more at the same time next week. We'll have to see if the box office can, can... manage that extraordinary rise again I suspect not, not. but <laughs> that is it for well, the just, just hope it's not too depressing James that's the trouble <laughs> one fantastic week and the next week is almost bound to be a bit of a disappointment but we shall see but that is it though for the moment from the business of Phil the greatest
1: trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist I'm sorry Dave I'm afraid I can't do that Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley.